was chocolate like the first thing that you guys started to do then? Or we launched all three products in out at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had the macarons, we had the hand tempered chocolate, mm-hmm. and the different flavors of cinder toffee. And that was all at once. Then. It was. All, it was all at once. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a yeah. bit. <laughs> I bet that was a bit. Well, when when I first started looking at the different sorts of products we could do I came to James with like literally 30 different types of confectionery didn't I yeah, I was like let's yeah. do marshmallows let's do fudge let's do nougat let's do this and sort of James is good because he sort of reins me in and sort of makes me just yeah. chill out a bit because <laughs> we, we did initially talk about just doing one literally just one product didn't we yeah and just sort of really focused on that but we wanted a bit of variation a range with it brand didn't we? yeah it's not just about the production side of it you know we were building a website we were building the packaging there was a lot of work so even three product ranges with six flavors of macarons four flavors of cinder toffee mm. four, and the four, four different chocolate bars, chocolate bars that's still a lot of products yeah <laughs> even though there's still only three ranges so yeah it was i mean it took us a year to get to that point of yeah. making that decision didn't it yeah what did that first conversation sound like facebook wasn't it yeah it was i'd had a, a bad day where i was working in london just a general bad day and I was sort of joked so right who wants to set up with me and do a chocolate shop in Leeds and James private messaged me and went well actually yeah. <laughs> he, but you were looking for a new project weren't you to, yeah, to start yeah. with so obviously James is his print background his design background what he's done with the branding and the packaging is something I could never have done mm. as a chef and I think we just worked Work we, we yeah. sort of brought our skills yeah. together and created a well I think it's quite a a unique, unique product, yeah. yeah I, th- I think that's it. funny enough. Again, when you get to peer behind the curtain in these things, you obviously don't necessarily know what you're going to get. When you send somebody off a Twitter message and say, Are you interested in doing the podcast? you kind of don't know if people say, Yeah, what you're going to go into. Actually, I first saw you, you probably won't remember me down on Leeds Dock. Oh, right, yeah. In the little <clears throat> market thing. That's right. And even yeah. from then, it stood out that branding and it was like so very professionally done. I guess that was probably one of the most important things then from your mm. side. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, you know, Dan's expertise as a chocolatier and mine as a marketeer, I needed to match him <laughs> extremely good. So we did cross over and come up with it all together. Yeah, yeah. I can't bring the products, mix the ingredients together and get them to work right, but I do know about flavours. And likewise, Dan knows what he thinks looks good and stands mm. out. And So, yeah. I think the good thing as well... It's a bit of a cliche, but we're definitely on the same page, aren't we? So yeah. when, when we were building the brand and the the logo, so we'd get 10 different logo designs, and I was in London at the time, James was in Leeds. But at each point we'd get a new brief, wouldn't we, and we'd look at it and then we'd be like, which one do you like? And he'd go, I like one and four. And I went, oh, I like one and four as well. So <laughs> it's been easy almost, hasn't it? Because we've definitely had the same aesthetic idea of where we want it to be. But I definitely think flavour-wise... It's not just sort of me going, this is what I want to do. And, and design-wise, it's James. It's not saying, this is the box. It's definitely a collaboration, isn't it? And, yeah. and and I think that's when you start to create something better than the sum of its parts, when you're sort of taking mm. different ideas and other people's. You collaborate to make something better than you could do on your own. Yeah. And as much as it pains me to say it, it doesn't matter how good the product I can make. If the packaging doesn't sell it, people are not going to buy it to know how, how good it is. So I think the whole gamut really is so important it's obviously the product how it tastes and how it looks but i think also equally important if not more important is how it's packaged and and that was really obviously that what was quite surprising you know after the initial reply back to dan's rant on facebook (laughs) we kept meeting up because i work in london 
periodically. He was working in London full time, so we'd meet up and we'd talk and we'd chat and we'd mull over flavours and things. But things seemed to present themselves to us, didn't they? Yeah. In a quite weird way, <laughs> like you know, the first time we met to initially discuss it, we were waiting outside a restaurant in East London. It was freezing, wasn't it? Yeah. February, and there was quite a queue, and they came out with these little cups of chai tea for us to keep us warm. Now, in our range now, it's one of the main flavours in the Cinetoffice is the chai, chai tea. Mm. So these things kind of popped up and... Yeah, both tasted like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, nice. that's quite nice. We should put that flavour in. What's that? That's cardamom, a bit mm. of nutmeg. Yeah. And then, yeah. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, there were several instances of that. And yeah. It's almost as if something was saying to you that this yeah. is what, <laughs> what yeah. you should do. You found your calling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're so all guided in a way. And, yeah. And same with the packaging side of it. I mean... We stumbled across an amazing paper mill. As part of my other business, the print side of it, I went for a visit to this paper mill in the Lake District who make a range of coloured boards from recycled cacao husks, which we thought was absolutely amazing, tying for us. So we initially looked at that and the whole range of colours... Just fit in exactly yeah. with what we thought, and we based the brand around that colour range of that board. So I think these things appeared and yeah, it was uh, that was amazing. Because the chocolate making process, all the husks are basically broken. The nibs are extracted to make the chocolate, but the husks are actually quite difficult to get rid of because they're quite toxic. So you can't make animal feed with it. You can't just drop it on the floor. What James Cropper does is, I think it's about ten percent. Is it ten or fifteen yeah, percent? Yeah. So he actually mashes that down with the rest of the they extract the fibres. Extract the fibres. It would be a waste product and very difficult to get rid of. And obviously, where chocolate is produced, they don't have a facility to, in the most cases, to actually get rid of the cacao husks. So we so thought, we're reusing so it, that, yeah. yeah. And it started off like, oh, it's cacao husks, that'd be quite good. But actually, when you look into it, I mean, it is a selling point. All of our packaging is made with that, with the exception of the coffee and chocolate bar, which is same, uh, same producer, mill. same, same mill. Yeah. But he uses 50% recycled single-use coffee cups. I mean, we're not like hippies you know we're not we're not eco warriors but actually but it ties in it 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 ties ties in in. and like james said that range of that color spectrum that palette as soon as we both saw it we went that is the range of colors that we want for our brand so My guest today on Series 2 of the Pass Podcast, it's the first Pass Cleardown, which is, as you'll now know, listeners, it's the special episodes that we do of the Pass, where we take a step out of the kitchen and we shine a spotlight on somebody who's doing some really great stuff outside of the world of just catering. And this week, it's Taylor and Bennett, a company that I became familiar with, as I've mentioned, when I tried some macarons and I think I tried some chocolate down on Leadstock. The other things you do are cinder toffee that you mentioned, which I've also tried and is very delicious as well. I'm here with James and Dan. Thank you so much, gents, for your time. Pleasure. A lot of guests on the pass come with a blank canvas and I've pretty much given you a blank canvas today. The only thing I've asked you to do in this episode is we're going to talk about three... I've said petty fours, it might be the wrong word, but a little sweet treats board that comes with menu two. Now, you guys are at a disadvantage, and I've not told you this yet, and that normally in the past clear down, I've actually given them a menu of this series. Now, I actually haven't got that, because the idea this year is that the listeners are going to vote for their favourite episode of the menu, but because of how we have to record, we have to get you guys in advance. So I wondered... At one point, you obviously had this blank canvas. We've kind of been talking about how it came to you naturally, but 
was that quite an exciting time or scary time when you had this blank canvas of, okay, we're going to make a business and then it's, right now we actually have to do it. How was that for you guys? Both. Mm. Scary and exciting at the same time, yeah. I think it was a year in planning and during that time I was still working in London, James was here in Leeds. It wasn't scary because we were planning and it wasn't sort of a reality, was it? It was heading that way. So that was the exciting point, getting the flavours, mm-hmm. testing the different sort of products and the different confectionery that we wanted to do. When I handed my notice in, and <laughs> I'd actually just been offered a promotion, hadn't I? I'd, well, I got offered Head Chocolatier. And when they offered me that, I'd say, well, I will take it on an interim basis, but I will be leaving in sort of three months' time. So, uh, yeah, it was a scary point because it was a very successful, or it is a very successful artisan chocolatiers in Notting Hill. So I did leave a very, very well <laughs> very, very prestigious job to do this. And I think for both of us, definitely for me, as soon as I'd sort of had that conversation with the owners of that company, I sort of went home and went, why did I do that? <laughs> That's when it became real. But the whole process, the whole design of the flavours and everything, that is what I love to do as a chef, what James loves to do. The whole design, the whole creativity, the tying everything together. Obviously testing is quite a nice part of it, product yeah. testing. So my guest for this episode of the last series was the guys at George and Joseph uh, Cheesemongers yeah, right. in Leeds. And I asked him a question which I think is quite suiting for you guys. There is quite a difference, isn't there, between being somebody, in his case, who just loved cheese and whatever, and to being a business owner. And, and I imagine there was quite a difference in your case to being a senior or a chocolatier in, in this little boutique in London where it's yeah. all bustling and you're in Notting Hill and, yeah. and then owning your own business how did you find it i think it sort of affects you in a number of ways the first is when i was working for somebody else i was making really good chocolates not to blow my own trumpet you know we were making very very good product when you've sort of designed the product and the flavors yourself they sort of become your not your children but you're invested a lot more in the actual product not that i wasn't invested in it in making somebody else's recipes and developing for somebody else as soon as you start doing it for yourself you're exposing yourself and every little bit of negative feedback or criticism you get. And when we do the food festivals, people in Yorkshire are not shy, are they? Of no, giving, you, <laughs> giving their opinion. So it, it makes it a lot more real. It makes it a lot more personal. In terms of running a business, it's terrifying on a daily basis, really. I mean, it's just... I mean, Put it Yeah, I'll, I'll be <laughs> honest. Just, just the, you know, the learning curve is so steep. I was a, a bar manager for 15 years prior to training to be a chef. I've sort of done the front of house, I've done the operational side of it. I thought it'd be quite an easy transition into running your own business, but there's just so much to learn, so much changes on a monthly basis. So you sort of feel like you're on track and then something else, you know, the food labelling laws change. It There always seems to be something. But it's sort of terrifying, but it's also very, very exciting. Every day you get up and you're like, right, what's going to be different the, the, today? The unfortunate thing about, you know, running a business, especially when it's like an artisan business, is... The enjoyable bit, the bit that excites you, the artisan side of it, it's equally balanced or maybe overshadowed a little bit with the corporate, you know, day-to-day running of business and Mm. and accounts and surely nobody enjoys that part of that. But, you know, know, you've got that, it's a balance and, you know, you just got to get on and do it, haven't you? There's Mm. no way around it, you just get on with it. I loved your expression, eating your frog. Eat your frog, yeah. Eat your frog. Yeah. So on a daily basis, yeah, the one thing that you are putting off and want to get rid of, you do very first thing, get it done and dusted. I like that. Yeah. 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 I'm still not good at it. <laughs> I still leave my frog till the end of the day. Uh, yeah, I've learned that's 
the best way to switch off on an evening as well if you've dealt with that because if it's at the bottom of your to-do list it's likely to be there for a few days so it'll be at the back of your mind as well so yeah one of the things that you said which i think is definitely true especially in the part of the the world we are like you mentioned when you go into food fairs and food fairs are one of these things that are becoming quite big even in smaller towns now that it's quite a popular gathering and like you say you've crafted this thing for a year you've thought about it (laughs) you've dreamt of it you've probably slept it ate it 50 million times (laughs) what was that first point like when your first customer came down or first nibbler on a little tray at a food festival what was that like (laughs) When was that? <laughs> I sort of I'm wondering. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really remember the first one. I'm sure one of the best ones was we do a green tea cinder toffee at food festivals. We do a lot of sampling because you know we like people to taste sort of our products. We're really excited about it. People are a bit funny about the thought of it. This lady came up and she must have been seventy years old. I told her and she went green tea. And then she tried it, and then she actually bought a box. So that, to me, was like the sort of affirmation, if you like, that we were doing the right thing. Because if you can sell green tea cinder toffee to an old Yorkshire woman, then yeah. you're doing something right. With a, with a face like she Yeah, does. oh, she did have a face like that, and she was like, yeah. green tea. <laughs> she was disgusted. So, I'm from the South originally, and I hadn't heard of cinder toffee before I came. Is it a Yorkshire thing, like it's, parking is? And- it's, it's very similar to honeycomb. It is a Yorkshire thing, Dan. Go on, say it. It is, it is a Yorkshire It's widely known as yeah. Honeycomb. Mm-hmm. You'll know it's Honeycomb or Hokey Pokey. I mean, yeah. there's all regional names. In Yorkshire, it tends to be Cinder Toffee. Right, yeah. There's not a different recipe then? Well, there is. A lot of Honeycomb actually uses honey as part of the sugar element, so there's a slight flavour difference, but technically Honeycomb doesn't need to have honey in it. It's the same process as Honeycomb. What we do differently is we flavour ours mm-hmm. as well. So we do a sea salt one. Uh, we do the green tea one, like I mentioned, the chai, and we do the parking one. Now, the parking is our mm. signature. That's the one, one that I've had. That's the one I've it? tried. Which yeah. is basically Yorkshire on top of Yorkshire. It's Yorkshire on Yorkshire. Yorkshire sin- parking cinder. Yeah. Parking cinder toffee, yeah. Oh. Bonfire night. Yeah. We've actually just won a great taste award for it, literally. Oh, congratulations. They just came out in August. It is delicious, so it's very well yeah. deserved. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real sort of labour of love, the parking one. I actually conceived the idea of it when I was at Catering College in Hull. And uh, I couldn't get it to work. Confectionery is simple. You can really make confectionery really easily. It's a chemical process. And as soon as you start messing around with the different sugars or different temperatures, then everything goes wrong. So I had the idea of a parking flavoured cinder toffee, but I didn't have the skill (laughs) to actually make it. So over the years, I sort of kept going back to it. And I love the flavour combination, but I couldn't get it. And then when we decided to plan this business, then I was like, I'm going into this room (laughs) and I'm not coming out until I've cracked it so i mean it did take a long time to get it to set really and get the structure right but i just think black treacle ginger and toffee and a bit of salt it's just really nice flavor it's really nice to get a great taste award and the interesting thing i think when you try it is you can actually taste the parking yeah. element as yeah. well it's not just like it's flavors of parking yeah. you actually get that it's almost like hearty as well yeah he's smiling like i'm saying <laughs> i'm saying all the That's right brilliant. Things. yeah yeah you know, again, again you know we <laughs> I don't want to sound like we're blowing our own trumpet, but it's very unusual is a flavoured cinder toffee. And for me, what I quite like about it is because the flavours are often contrasted, so you've got bitters and spices and sweets, they come at different times. The flavours roll one after another, which I find fascinating for a product that's not really complex. You expect 
flavours that roll like that to come mm. from a complex product and it's a cinder toffee. It is quite like the chai enjoyable you, to eat. When you eat the chai cinder toffee, you do the chai is great. You get cardamom first, and then you get a bit of cinnamon, and then you get sort of cloves at the end, and then you get the sweetness. And mm. it sounds like we're making a big thing, but for literally a sugar based product, which is effectively what it is, it has got quite a complex flavour, which mm. Mm. we're quite pleased. As I mean, you can tell, yeah. I, you know, Dan flies the parking <laughs> flag, and I fly the, the chai one. So when we do food festivals, <laughs> we do make it a little bit competitive, we don't do. we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So this is going to make it interesting then, because I was going to say the next question, if we're having this Petit Four board as part of this season two menu that we're hoping to make over the course of this series, if you could choose one of them, but this might then divide <laughs> divide that. I'm happy to have both if it, if it in the end divides the house. <laughs> They're looking at each other. The tension mm. is palpable. <laughs> Dan's a flavour guy. Come on. Come on. Uh, so parking it would be then for me, definitely. Oh, so right. we're going to put the parking... Well, there's the three of us here. Yeah. Two of you are flying the parking. Yeah. I've not tried the, the chart one, the so I'll have to buy that one next time. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then I can put like a voiceover over the podcast. <laughs> I've tried it since and I can say <laughs> So that's the first one on our board. Here's an interesting question then. One of the things that sort of intrigues me about when you've got this range of flavours as you have... If you're thinking of new ideas and, and new things to put on, is there a nervousness around that in that you don't want to kind of upset the apple cart? Or is it just you want to be creative, you want to push on? I think, especially with the macarons, what we wanted to do is we wanted to be a little bit different, but we didn't want to be so wacky that we put people off. So we didn't want the traditional sort of buttercream fillings, so we tend to go for chocolate ganache fillings because... It's a nicer mouthfeel. It carries flavour better, I think. The process of developing the flavours... They do present themselves. Yeah, they, they sort of do. They... S- some of the newer flavours we've decided on at food festivals. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, where we've had massive exposure to feedback and also time together. Yeah. You know, a food festival for a weekend, you spend a lot of time together, <laughs> more than you would do if you were working in an office together and getting on with your work, so... Yeah. yeah, and a lot like the licorice macaron, which is not the latest flavour, but one that's developed from a food festival. Yeah. More yeah. that be than a customer just saying, oh, have you thought of this, or is it more the you two thinking, oh, this might work? Or In that instance, it was a bit bizarre, because I think one morning, driving to the food festival very early, <laughs> we said, what about a licorice? My- and then that day, didn't two other people mention it? Yeah, what it was, my auntie was over from France, and she said... I had a really nice licorice macaron, and I thought I hadn't heard of that necessarily as a mainstream flavour. I think I mentioned it to you that morning, didn't mm. I? I said, oh, what about a licorice macaron? And then we sort of went, we could just make it really black. It could just be a black macaron, and that would be really striking. Then we went on the same day, literally the same day, and it was at least two people. I think yeah. somebody mentioned licorice and blackcurrant, didn't they, as a flavour? Yeah. And then two other people asked if we did licorice, so we were like, right, well, we need to the, try it. Some of the initial things that we discussed flavour-wise was almost a nostalgic, reminiscent flavour from when we were young, obviously both from Yorkshire. But licorice to me, you know, I used to go to Whitby as a kid and get licorice sticks, literally from the shop, and chew them. It's got that sort of nostalgic, and that's where the cinder toffee idea came from, wasn't it? Yeah. Just thinking about... That nostalgia, definitely. And funny with the licorice, you used to dip the licorice in the sherbet dip, when we first started planning... We were toying with We them. were toying about doing, like, flavoured sherbet. An artisan sherbet dip, yeah. 
we couldn't quite make it work, could we? No, but, but it, it was, was a brilliant idea. It was a good idea. But it was quite funny. James came down to London and I met him in a pub and I brought like five different little cellophane bags full of white powder. <laughs> so it was, I mean, it was really cool. It was like dandelion and burdock flavour and all the rest of it. That dodgy So then James is like sticking his finger in Tasty. and tasting it and we were like, we shouldn't be doing this in, in the pub, should we? No, some... no. Yeah, that was funny. Hi, it's Paul from The Past Podcast. Series 2 is sponsored by Welcome to Leeds, a new city platform showcasing, supporting and celebrating world-class events and organisations and all the various people in Leeds. Just like the people that I'm meeting as a part of our new podcast series available exclusively through the Welcome to Leeds food channel. Check it out at www.welcometoleeds.co.uk So, I don't want to bring any awkwardness up but what happens on the odd occasion that one or other isn't happy about version one of a test of a product are you two quite good with feedback with each other yeah i I think that's the most important i think i think we're pretty good and i remember a conversation right at the start is we did say we just have to be completely honest with each other and if we don't agree we might not always agree but you know i think what's happened is like dan said earlier we both on the same page if Dan doesn't agree with me I'll actually consider why and think about it and I think Dan does the same and nine times out of ten I'll actually end up agreeing because I'm wanting to understand how he's seen it from his angle and in the end when I see it from his angle I do agree and vice versa I I think as well the good thing with us being such a new company we can sort of go with the other person when we don't necessarily want to try the product out can't we and then if it doesn't work or if the other one appears to be in the right we can sort of change that quite quickly it's not like it's going out to waitress you know it's a small enough scale for us to tweak the recipe we've launched and then we've grown definitely you know we've had seasonal products that we've not necessarily agreed on but we've then tried them and they have or haven't worked you know and i suppose a little bit it's like as long as the customer ends up happy, then yeah, definitely. Yeah. it doesn't matter necessarily if definitely. you agree on it. I think that's one thing that's really important. I mean, I've sort of worked with lots of chefs and chocolatiers before and they sort of come in to a product development session. So basically they are selling their own agenda and they want to do this specific flavour and they think it's the best flavour in the world. And like you just alluded to, it doesn't matter if it's an amazing flavour. If it's not, if people don't want to buy it, if people don't want to taste it, it doesn't matter. In this realm of ego which is you know a lot of chefs and people who work in this industry it's really important you've really got to leave your ego at the door and yes there are certain things that you want certain things that james wants i think the main thing is as long as you communicate well i mean we've known each other for absolutely years i think as long as you can be honest with each other and and sort of communicate in a respectful manner which is not always the case is it but no that's mainly me if nobody else hears then it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) definitely won't be repeating anything on (laughs) (laughs) what then is the bricks and mortar of your business is it your food markets or is it online or i think it's online isn't it yeah yeah i think the macarons are our absolute flagship flagship flyaway product we could literally we could drop everything else and just do macarons i think and the, we have people in france ordering them yeah oh wow and yeah we that deliver to france so yeah we, we're selling yorkshire made macarons back to, to the french. french yeah so that really tells you something yeah um, that does <laughs> yeah. yeah wow okay so yeah i mean so we've been going for a year and a half and 
it takes that long to get enough information, really, isn't it, and to make those sort of decisions. So next on the agenda we've actually just been talking about today, we're looking to expand the range, we're expanding the flavours, different size boxes. Yeah. And we're expanding the range of the other products as well. We're not, it's not to say the other products aren't good, but in terms of the bread and butter, the, like you say, the bricks and mortar, it's definitely the macaron sales online. Online, yeah, yeah, yeah what, absolutely. What, I mean, macaron's one of my favourite little petty fours and things like that and they're so iconic what makes a perfect macaron and why do you think it is that they've sort of got that iconic status i think they've become almost mystical because they are so technically difficult and i think where they are difficult you can't just say it's difficult because of this you've got the oven temperature you've got is it over mixed is it under mixed are the egg whites at room temperature have you piped it properly have you left it long enough is the oven too hot is the oven too cold it's like literally at every stage of that process there are variables which if you don't restrict them it doesn't work and even when you think you have restricted them all even now i still make batches and it's like you just want to sort of put your hands up in the air in despair because they don't always work i've been making them for years and years and years there's sometimes you get a batch and it just doesn't work so I think people try and make them at home and then they have an appreciation of how difficult they are to actually recreate. And then to recreate them commercially and professionally, I think it's quite... Yeah, and a lot of people good. who you know have, have tried the ones that you can buy from supermarkets and things which are made on factory lines and made with long shelf lives, it's absolutely not the same product. Yeah, we, so, get, we get a lot of people saying, I don't like don't, macarons. I don't, at food festivals, I don't like macarons. We give them tasters for free of <laughs> macarons and it completely changes the mind oh, I've not had one like this before. You know, Dan's going very technical with them there. <laughs> but if I had to simplify why I think they are standout, is the surprise. Mm. They are crunchy and chewy, which is a very weird sensation. And then the strength of colour of them to look at is surprising. And also the flavours are surprising. So, you know, it's almost a little cased surprise every time, even now still for me, especially when we bring new flavours out. They are really special. Mm. Is it going to be hard then to choose just one for our Petit Four board for this Series 2 menu? It's going to be hard <laughs> for us to agree on which one. OK, well, let's have one each then, because we <laughs> caused the riff last time. We've still got one more thing to talk about, and I can't be having handbags. So let's have one each then for our... Dan can tell you exactly which one I'd pick. Cherry. Licorice, sorry. <laughs> it used to be cherry, and now it's licorice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The cherry tonka bean is fantastic, yeah. but the licorice for me is brilliant because the surprise in that flavour is astounding. You know, this is a deep, dark, black macaron with an amazing texture, and then the licorice flavour is just it's standout for me. I like them all. They're <laughs> like my children, but not supposed to have a favourite, but my favourite is the hazelnut praline. It's just a classic combination, chocolate and hazelnut. I mean, we do lots of different flavours mm. and I just think simple is best It's we just have a really smooth caramelised hazelnut praline we mix dark and milk chocolate together make a ganache nibbed hazelnuts roasted on top for me it's perfect because it's classic and it's familiar and it's really nice and we won a great taste award for that as well <laughs> <laughs> did you just enter your favourite products into the yeah, great I did, taste yeah, award I did. that's what I did <laughs> that's what I... <laughs> one of the things which has been so interesting about doing this is Everybody's got such a personal relationship with the things that are doing, whether it's a service after service after service or for you, batch after batch after batch. It's yours, isn't it? Every single time you yeah. do it, rightly, wrongly, to your oven temperature or not, it's 100% yours. And I guess that's the same 
with the business you know do you sit together and say okay well this is what the future's going to look like or are you just kind of rolling with it would you like a shop a bakery what does the future look like well I think, we, we've been experimenting yeah. and toying and we've a temporary pop-up shop for five weeks so we could get an idea of yeah what it was like for a retail base we're currently expanding the range and expanding our online products yeah. and, and reach out with some new bundles hampers and yeah. uh, new flavors and things like that so it is at the minute it's been quite an organic process yeah. and it? it's not like in six months we want to have this in a year we sort of just monitor it as it goes like james said we did the pop-up in harrogate that was brilliant it was so good again it's like the food festival people are coming in and it's instant feedback we tried lots of different like baked goods and stuff there we got loads of good feedback for those we might enter that as a range on the website at some point, but it's good to sort of trial new products and get free feedback, really. But, yeah, we were looking around Leeds as well for potential sites. Here and now, the next thing is building on the range yeah, uh, we, and, and increasing our online sales. Yeah, You know, we, we've not got a strict business strategy, but in theory, we want to build the revenue to enable us to possibly have a retail outlet. Yeah. That is the ultimate aim for us. There's so much cost involved in, in, in the retail. It's, it's incredible. It yeah. really is. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. When, you, when you look into it properly, it's part of my background. Is I used to help out startups and stuff like that in business mm. strategy. And people don't realise just having a roof above your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bricks and water. Um, yeah. But that's like you say, why online can help you so much. And, and yeah. obviously, I got in touch with you guys through social media. So people that follow the past the links will all be available to your social medias all the links will be on there all the stuff for the website do you guys list where your events are going to be if you're at food festivals do you list that up online or we have a new section on our website so we have an email list as well people can sign up for a newsletter oh fantastic so for what's coming up yeah so i wondered if the last petty four the third one was going to be a difficult choice maybe the most difficult had you had any thoughts around your last choice. So we've done the macaron, we've done the cinder toffee. Yeah. What about something that we don't currently sell? What I like at the end of a meal is either something like a truffle, so it'd be a single origin. I tend to like Madagascan chocolate. It's quite acidic. I quite like that acidity balance. So for me, I'd like a Madagascan chocolate truffle, classically made, or even just maybe a, a couple of discs of single origin chocolate, just plain, just to have with a coffee. Mm. Yeah, I think... Or maybe a financier, like a brown butter sponge enrobed in chocolate. That'd be quite nice. You, 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 I could literally right. go on. Or a piece of pat de free, maybe. All that, I do is nice. have to rein him in. I've got to rein him in. Because, you know, he'll it, be giving himself 16 hours work oh, yeah. to deliver this uh, solution. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think because of what products we've got on there at the minute, the cinder toffee and the macarons, maybe a couple of discs of different origin chocolates. Yeah. So it can be a comparison. Because I think as well that speaks a little bit about what you guys do mm. and your third product, which is chocolate yeah. and chocolate mm. bars. And we sort of spoke about that at the beginning. Would something like truffles be something that you guys would be interested in looking at in the future then? Is that conversation that you've been having? We've been having that Today. earlier on. Yeah, yeah, we literally have. Yeah. Because I think chocolate now, is people talk about it in the same way that they talk about wine. So 10 years ago, people were not talking about single-origin chocolate, single-origin mm. coffee. I mean, this has sort of come relatively recently but there is so much variation between say a criollo from madagascar than a criollo from south america or a forestero cacao from venezuela say or wherever the actual country of origin is but the actual characteristics it is like wine it is like that terroir so you could have 
two vineyards on the same hill in France and one bottle would be worth £1,000 and one bottle would be worth £10, you know, because the actual terroir affects the quality of the grapes. Right. The cacao is very same similar. Right. Yeah. Okay. And there is such a marked difference between styles. Again, James will rein me in because I'll start talking about conching and, and well, uh, think, all the rest I of it. That, uh, that's interesting, uh, how you can make essentially one same product, yeah. but it's just so different mm. by what you put into it. Put into it, yeah, the botanicals, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this series has been sponsored by Welcome to Leeds. Have you got plans to do pop-ups in Leeds, food fairs in Leeds? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been really big. We were involved with Leeds Dock, which is where you yeah. came across us. And that was really good because we'd only just started, really. That got us a bit of exposure. Yeah, that was quite good fun. I was hoping yeah. they'd mm-hmm. carry that on. Yeah, I don't think you had enough time for people to yeah. know it was there. You yeah. have the footfall, but no. yeah, the, the concept Difficult. was brilliant. Yeah. The other thing, we partnered with North Star Coffee Roasters to do our coffee and cacao nib bar. Mm-hmm. And that was great, meeting Holly and collaborating. Yeah. That was very early on as well. So we sort of got quite a lot of exposure through other guys in Leeds doing all the exciting stuff. And I think you've got the Leeds Indie Food, you've got... You know, there's always something there seems to be going on in Leeds. If there is a potential pop-up venue, we'll definitely be there in, in a shot. We actually had a, an opportunity to go into Trinity Kitchen, didn't Kitchen, we? Yeah, yeah. It was literally... We'd only just started and we just did not have oh, right, the yeah. packaging. We logistically couldn't do it, yeah, which yeah. was a shame. But and, maybe, and the Kurgit market as the well. Kurgit, yeah. There's loads of potential. There's loads and loads of stuff going on in Leeds and this is where we're based and this is where we'll continue to be based definitely thank you both so much for your time as I mentioned all the links to your website and that will be available through my Twitter and it'll all be on the links of the podcast as well for people to get in touch with what you guys are doing thank you so much for contributing to the menu of series 2 thank you so much guys (laughs) thank you for listening to the past podcast If you haven't already, please subscribe and follow me at Paul Noob on Twitter for updates on the next podcast. If you can, I'd really appreciate a nice review. Just leave a few words and it helps other people find us. The Past Podcast is edited and mixed by Adam Linder from Bespoken Podcasting. Craig Fields from Ambient Light provides technical support. With thanks to Ruby Chow for booking support.